It is time for Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. We come to you every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Hold that thought. Hold it. While I go live on YouTube, we come to you every day, six days a week. I'm always correcting myself. Six days a week, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. Um, we come to you on three platforms, Unodus Trace, Comedy Schools, Radio Network.com, where you can uh, simply listen in, YouTube Comedy Schools, where you can see uh, the wreck of my office, which I'm starting to work on. We're getting the office squared away, uh, which means we're shoving a lot of stuff in closets. Um, and also we come to you on Facebook Live. We're built around three things, three fangs, uh, your questions and comments here on the aforementioned social media. So please feel free to question and comment. I'm looking at you, for your Facebook people want to know what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the YouTube people so they don't feel alone. I don't want you YouTuber. I, we don't get a lot of YouTubers. And I think that's because they feel alone. They feel alone. Lonely, damn it. So we, um, hell, I don't know. What do I know? Anyway, I got kind of a weird angle here on YouTube. That's my problem right now. There, that, that helps. That helps. All right. So anyway... The hell was I talking about? Oh yeah. Uh, also, uh, sometimes we have some knickknack or doodad or trinket uh, that we uh, share with you and weave a personal story around. And um, we always then recommend one artist or one piece of music for a vast vinyl album or CD collection. I'm starting to retire the albums. So this room had been taken over by vinyl albums the last nine months. The last nine months, this room, this little office, uh, had gotten totally taken over by bobbleheads and vinyl albums. So we are now, and, and we've talked about, I mean, we've got some like, you know, say I've got like seven, ten years after albums. So, you know, we've talked about three of them. So then, you know, it's like, all right, how much more can we talk about them? And we could revisit them through CD, but just for space alone. We're now retiring the vinyl albums. Those of you who have been with us in the beginning know that uh, we started out recommending uh, two uh, albums or musicians or songs a day, uh, and we still try to do that, but occasionally just one that we really barrel in on right now, and that's what we're doing today. But we're starting to retire a lot of that stuff, okay? And what we're going to begin to work is, uh, and we have done some of it, and we're going to do it today is this compact disc collection. My compact disc collection started sometime, I suppose, in the 80s during the boombox era. If you remember the boombox era, you got uh, giant radios became gigantic. They, uh, we went from, uh, for those of you that uh, followed all this, our parents having that uh, uh, stereo console in the living room, that long thing that was a little less than waist high that had a, uh, you open it up, and there was a place to store records, and there was a, a turntable and an AM, FM radio. And there was a lot of wood around some real cheap components, but it became part of the furniture. So that was theirs. For us as little kids, we had those little 45 record players that you carry around portable open up. But by the 70s, our generation was investing heavily in stereo equipment. Pioneers, Kenwood, you know, uh, TIAC, uh, Maybe you had that one strange friend who was just a complete audiophile and a giant reel-to-reel. -reel. I actually have a reel-to-reel -reel sitting on the garage. Uh, I'm not that strange friend, though. I just, I have it. I didn't play that much on it. I bought it, and then I went, this is a pain in the ass. 
Um, but we went totally component. Speakers separate from the amp, separate from the tuner, separate from the turntable. That's how we went. Then boom, in the 80s, boom box and CDs. CD players. Remember you get the CD player, like the six, it had six of them on a plate and it could turn around and around. And that way you didn't have to get up and change CDs all the time or you had a boom box where you played them. So sometime in the 80s, I kicked, I, I uh, left the vinyl world and went into the CD world. And what I found, I don't know if any of you have done this uh, or I did this, was I then found myself rebuying a lot of the same music on CD. You know, your turntable had fallen apart, whatever, you know, uh, you'd moved on to a different point in life where you didn't have giant stereo system sitting around on um, uh, two by fours and concrete blocks in your living room, you know. Uh, so we went from a stereo system to just a CD compact disc boombox that had, uh, would had detachable speakers. Remember that? Oh, also in those little cassette recorders with headphones. Those were happening in the 80s. Because I think we kind of actually went, we didn't go right to CD, did we? We went from vinyl album to cassette to CD. Cassettes were a pain in the ass because the, the, uh, the tape could get screwed up in a player, get chewed up, and then, you know, and then your, uh, your investment was shot. So I have a bunch of cassettes in a box somewhere. You know? And if it comes to that, then we'll, we'll go into a cassette era, although I've resisted it. We're going into the uh, CD. So it's from the 80s, so I've got quite a collection of compact discs that I'll be sharing with you in the next few months as we uh, uh, hopefully wind up this pandemic. Hopefully wind it up. It's time to wind it up. All right, pandemic. You've been staying at the house long enough. Time for you to get out and get a job. It's time to kick the pandemic in the ass, right? Make it go out and support itself. Pandemic is like a bum, isn't it? Can't live without us and then sucks everything out of us. It's like a teenage punk kid. The pandemic is a teenage punk kid. That's what it is. It's a punk. <laughs> They're rolling out the vaccine. I, I don't know. Uh, I fall into the 1C group. 1C. So what does that mean? So uh, first it's, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, people in nursing homes, and they should get it. Uh, and uh, the people who uh, take care of people in nursing homes, frontline workers, etc. 1C is 65 and over with pre-existing conditions. Uh, if you're 65 in this world in America, you have pre-existing conditions. So sometime to end of January, I should be able to get it. I'll get it before my wife. Ha <laughs> ha! Because she's like younger than me. But at least somebody in the house to be vaccinated. Just my vaccination. They ought to get the Rolling Stones to uh, do That's What they need is to roll out some musicians and actors and stuff like Elvis Got a polio vaccine alive on TV. Had the Rolling Stones redo some of their songs. Just my vaccination. Well, actually, that would not be the Rolling Stones. That'd be the Temptations. Well, the Rolling Stones did that song, so don't, don't go nuts on me here. Get the Temps back together and the Stones. Mick and whoever's left in the original Temptations. Go, all right, yeah, listen, we all need to get vaccinated, you know, because how else are we supposed to have big concerts where you get to see me and Keith? Yeah, I get to jump around and I go, look, Keith, I'm old, but I can still jump around. You can barely move. You, <laughs> Just my vaccination. Keeping COVID away from me. So um, I guess they signed the big stimulus bill, stimuli, stimulo. 
And right now, as we speak, right now, as we speak, they're voting to give us uh, $2,000 checks. We're already getting 600. Now they're seeing if they kick it up to two Gs. It's a weird thing. The Democrats the whole time are going, we need more money for people because 600 bucks, that's like not enough. That's like giving a starving person a piece of crusty bread and going, hey, it's a sandwich. It's, you know, piece of bread. What saved this economy back in the spring was the $2 trillion CARES Act and all of us going, all right. I was talking to a business guy today, a buddy of mine. He has a restaurant here in Arizona. I've done business with him. And uh, this guy is amazing. He's amazing. Okay, he was an entertainer for years and years and years and years, but also in a restaurant business. He opened up a restaurant. They were doing gangbusters. They got shut down. They were reeling. They found a way to keep their restaurant open under all sorts of different conditions. And he's even taken a second job to uh, support himself. And that's the kind of thing that people did. That's the kind of things people did. Even with these stimulus checks and almost even with these loans and all of that, most people in the entertainment business, in the restaurant business, in the hospitality business, uh, all of that had to find other ways to supplant income. And they did. It has been stunning to watch so many of my friends and what they have done in order to keep going. You know why? Because they have hope. And we got to keep hope alive. So don't count the amount. You know what? When you turn on the news and you turn on the, the radio, boy, it just sounds like they're all at each other's throats and screaming and yelling all the time. But you know what? Don't discount the American public. We find a way to make things work. We find a way to make things work. Every once in a while, we all fall apart, lay on the floor and cry, curl up in a small ball. We've all done that. Oh, my God. We've all had disappointment. Okay, that's not going to happen. Okay. We, uh, we all come to, uh, we come, all come face to face with tide and time itself, but we still find ways to make things happen, you know? And uh, this stimulus bill is not big enough. It's going to be a big pain in the ass working through it. There's some good things there. There's uh, help for live venues and entertainment venues. Uh, there's more PPP loans. There's extension of unemployment. It's all there. It's all there. It's not quite enough. Like I said, it's not that people are getting this money and sitting home in their ass, sitting in a hot tub. I know restaurant owners that have gotten this stuff had to pay for uh, and paid their, made sure they could pay all their employees even though they had no one coming in hardly. And they found out and still went out and got second jobs. So uh, we'll see if they're going to give us 600, give us, it's our money. It's all based on that. Uh, if we're going to receive $600 stimulus checks or $2,000 stimulus checks, I'll keep you posted. All right, let's move on to something else. Paul Whitney, you son of a gun. You had to bring it up. Uh, Paul Whitney says the Dallas Mavericks sure made something happen yesterday. And that's true. And I got to admit when it happens is yesterday was a historic day in the National Basketball Association. The Dallas Mavericks beat the Los Angeles Clippers by 50 points. You heard that right. 50 points. 5-0. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. At one point, I was, uh, I was doing something yesterday. Uh, and uh, 
you know, and I thought I'm going to watch a game, but I want to watch this football game, but I got to do something productive today. I got some other things I need to do. I need to straighten out part of the office. <laughs> you know, so, uh, and I kind of looked at my phone and saw the score was like 70 to 33. And I go, well, that, that's a mistake. Like, it was the worst loss. Now, keep in mind who we're talking about here. The worst loss in L.A. Clippers history, going all the way back to when they were the Buffalo Braves in Buffalo, New York, going back to when they were the San Diego Clippers, and then in the uh, early 90s becoming the L.A. Clippers. It was their worst loss in history. They lost by 50 points. And I wasn't shocked. First off, it's the third game of the season. They won the first two. First one against the Lakers. All right, they're out without their star star starter, Kawhi Leonard. What was surprising is how little they seem to care about it afterwards. But Paul George just kind of said, well, you know, I had a pretty good Christmas. I think there was uh, the case with a lot of people, so uh, I'm just going to blame it on a really good Christmas. So are you telling us, Paul, that you partied that hard? You got that loaded that you forgot you had a game coming up against a pretty good team, the Dallas Mavericks. Now, it'll remain to be seen if this is an indication of another season. I think it was a mistake to get rid of Doc Rivers. I do. Maybe Doc was tired. Maybe Doc had it. He went over to Philadelphia. You know, uh, um, you know let's see if he could do something over there. Think the world of Doc. Ty Lue, uh, good guy, you know. Good guy, but I don't know if he's got what it takes to uh, hold this, uh, uh, this group of superstars together. I love the L.A. Clippers. Uh, he said, granted, you kicked our butts when it, mastered, when it mattered, so I just shut up. No, you get to gloat over a 50-pointer, Paul. I'm going to give it to you today. Today, I'm going to give it to you, but yeah, no more after that. Remains to be seen if these guys just have checked out, if they've got COVID fatigue themselves. How can they have COVID fatigue? They're millionaires. Yeah, no. You know what? Human beings are human beings, okay? I tell you what, I'll take an athletic millionaire a lot of times over some guy who um, hustled, uh, some scumbag who hustled a lot of people out of their money. You know? What's the saying? Behind every great fortune is a great crime. I'll take some poor kid from Mississippi, you know, who was sent to a school where the ceiling tiles were falling on their heads and they have to use books from two or three years ago who just had incredible athletic prowess and kept himself out of trouble in gangs was able to get on with the college and then sign a big contract for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars, you know, with an NBA team. You know, I ain't, I'm not going to complain about it. And you know what? And they still have emotions. They still have feelings. And they might just be going through some sort of COVID burnout. Let's not burn out. LA Clippers, let's not burn out. Let's let that 50 point loss kick us in the ass. Let's let that happen. Okay. Hello, Lauren Molliver. Are you in Canada or are you in Scottsdale, sir? So um, that's what's going on. We, uh, we're at least getting $600 stimulus checks per person, per child. Maybe $2,000 per person, per child. And by the way, I think that would really jumpstart the economy. You know, if you give wealthy people money of this nature, if, or if they get those checks, they save it. They don't do much with it. Working class people go out and spend that money. They spend that money, and that's what kickstarts an economy. They keep saying that the uh, backbone and heartbeat of American business is small business. Well, small business needs customers. 
And right now, a stimulus check that allows people to go out and go, all right, we're going to go out. We're going to go out. We're going to. Uh, I got some sort of noise in the background here. Sorry. Okay, I think my, uh, my producer is playing a video game. They're going to let them go, all right, let's go out and get those kids those shoes. Hey, you know what? Let's get, we got, let's, you know what? Tonight we'll go, we'll get takeout instead of cooking at home, you know, in some restaurant to make some money and some waiter to get some tips. It all works like that. We are a service economy. We are a, we've actually expanded from what we were when I was a kid, a manufacturing economy to a service economy in Arizona. Entertainment and hospitality is one of the most vital components of our economy. Entertainment and hospitality. We have every major league sports team here. We have several venues that can house massive crowds for every rock musician, every rap musician, every play, everything comes through here. But it's the thing you cut back on first, isn't it? It's the thing you cut back on first. You cut back on, okay, we won't go out to restaurants. All right, you know what? We're not gonna. We're gonna cut back on Netflix. Okay, we're gonna cut back on. Uh, uh, we, well, we can't. You know, we, we we're gonna cut back on going out at all, even though a lot of places are letting you limited capacity. We're gonna cut back, cut back, cut back. That's how it happens. So I think that the two thousand dollars is a good idea. I think it's a great idea. We'll see it. It's Lauren Oliver's on Scottsdale Friday. That's cool. That's cool, buddy. That's cool, buddy. Hey, uh, a couple things to tell you about before we move on to the music. And I got something fun here for you today, I think. Um, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, tonight for one night only, one night only. At JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com, the place that is ran by a man who puts salt on his pizza, Jim Perry. Uh, I am doing the free audit of my stand-up comedy workshops. Free audit of my stand-up comedy workshops. That's right. You can come by and check out class one of our award-winning workshops for absolutely free. Absolutely free and see if it's for you. Safe social distance seating, mass required. Uh, we will make it happen for you. So come on by at 7.30. To find out more, go to comedyschools.com. Also, also, New Year's Eve, 7 p.m. at JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com. New Year's Eve, kicking in the year with Tony Vizic and Jim Perry. Tony Vizic and Jim Perry, kicking in the year. So, uh... Check that out. You can find out about all of it by going to jpscomedyclub.com, jpscomedyclub.com. Also, we'll be offering it as a Zoom show New Year's Eve. If you want to have some entertainment and you don't want to go out or you're not in the vicinity, uh, I'm going to post it on the um, I'm going to post it on the comments to this show as soon as the show is over, how you can purchase Zoom tickets and see the show live in person as it's happening. Okay? Uh, it's going to be there for you. So, uh, and also, I'll put it up on my Facebook page a little later on, Tony Vizic, V-I-C-I-C-H. All right, let's get to the music, shall we? Let's get to the music. Uh, like I said, we're moving into the CD era. It's going to be almost all CDs from here on out. Uh, and some of these people I've talked about before, but uh, uh, you're like me and you have uh, memory lapses. So you're... This is one of the most favorite fun bands of the 70s. Never the big, giant arena rockers, although they carry themselves like big giant arena rockers. Certainly not as big as Bowie. Certainly not as big as Pink Floyd. Certainly not as big as the Rolling Stones. Certainly, but loved by all of them. No one ever says a bad word 
about Ian Hunter. No one, and I knew people in the English music scene when I hung around LA in the 80s, says a bad word about Mott the Hoople. And here we have right there, Mott the Hoople. One of the most favorite fun bands of the 70s. There was a guy who, if you were going to create a rock star for a movie, a 1970s rock star for the movies, you would create Ian Hunter. Um, the big songs on this are just fun. Because, man, that's what they played. They played, Ian Hunter was one of those guys, grew up in the 50s in um, uh, a really 40s and 50s, really tough circumstances in England. They loved American rock and roll. They loved American blues music. And then they did something with it that made it special. All those great British bands. Uh, all the way from Memphis and uh, Roll Away to Stone and Golden Age of Rock and Roll are all on here. And of course, their big hit, their massive hit, All the Young Dudes, just one of the greatest songs in the world. Now, I'm torn right now whether I should recommend All the Way from Memphis because that's an Ian Hunter pen tune, as is the golden age of rock and roll. Oh, a golden age of rock and roll. Or even Ballad of Mott the Hoopa. But we're going to go with today, we're going to recommend, uh, and then maybe you'll listen to more of their stuff because they're just fun. All the Young Dudes. Now, David Bowie penned All the Young Dudes. And then Mott the Hoople recorded it, I think at the time, by the time this came out, by the time All the Young Dudes came out, Mott the Hoople had broken up at the time. And then they kind of got back together to tour because the song was such a hit. Um, later on, uh, Ian Hunter had a pretty good solo career in the 80s. I remember a song of his called All the Good Ones Are Taken. They had a fun, cheeky video. Just a fun guy. Still tours uh, when touring commences. When touring commences, Ian Hunter will still be touring, okay? Uh, but check it out. Check out all the young dudes. It's just one of the coolest early 70s songs ever. Um, I could see David Bowie singing it, but uh, Ian Hunter's sort of uh, kind of kickback, lazy, doesn't give a damn, but at the same time has a, a pulse beating 10 times stronger than anyone's voice. Uh, just really lends something to it. You know, and then uh, uh, and then the chorus in the background is just hilarious. All the young dudes, boogaloo shoes, all the young dudes. It's just a great song. It's a great song. That's our recommendation for today. Our recommendation is from early 70s British rock. And the guy who everyone I ever talked to in the British rock scene absolutely loved. Ian Hunter, Monta Hoople, all the young dudes. You know what? I'm going to wrap it up. I'm wrapping it up. I'll take it. Wrap it up. I'll take it. We're going to wrap it up today. Hey, remember, uh, tonight at 7.30, I'll be at JP's Comedy Club. Uh, I'll be there tomorrow night, too, with my advance class. Any of you advancers who uh, didn't show up last week and you're thinking, you know what? I want to do this. I didn't come in that week because of Christmas and everything, but damn it, I'm doing it. Uh, I'm going to see all of you uh, tomorrow at 7.30. Let's all get back together. Let's kick off the New Year's right. Let's stay safe. Let's stay sane. Let's get vaccinated. And then let's tear it up like we never have before. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I'll see you tomorrow too. Bye-bye.